Hi, this is Dustin. Just a little reminder that this show is for adults. In fact, this episode in particular is a casual conversation amongst adults, so I wouldn't let the little ones listen in on this one. You never know what we might say. If you're from a country that prohibits explicit language, please listen at your discretion. Otherwise, I hope you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. One day I'm going to make it across the pond and one day I'm going to, well, I'm going to have the, the worst jet lag ever. Everybody's going to be like, I'm tired. I'm going to get a bed. I'm like, I'm up. Let's do this. <laughs> How long would it take you to fly to the UK? Would it be like. Well, I'm in Memphis and we're supposedly at international airport, but nothing ever flies direct out of Memphis. I don't mm. know why they say that because we end up flying to New York or something and then we fly across. So, and that's usually, it's probably about seven or eight hours as far as with layovers and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's probably about the same amount of time as it is the time difference, I would assume. So, yeah. But yeah, I would totally be up. <laughs> It'll be 6 p.m. for me. It'll be midnight for you. And you're like, I'm getting a little tired here, Dustin. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, let's go. <laughs> you're like, take a sleeping pill, something. God. <laughs> Welcome to Dustin Can Read and Watch, where in this episode, I lament another reason why I hate Valentine's Day. People be crazy, yo. They be crazy. <laughs> of course, I'm actually talking about stalkers and crimes of passion in the form of Tom Savage's book, Valentine, from 1996, and the 2001 movie of the same name, which is supposedly based, you know, adapted from the, 2000, the 1996 book, blah, blah, blah. Here to compare the two with me today is Leroy Cross James, author and the voice behind Slashic Horror Podcast. How are you today, Leroy? I'm awesome, Dustin. How are you? Doing great. Doing fantastic. Good, good. Yeah, awesome. Um, So I want to ask you about Slashic Horror before we begin. Like, Can you describe for the listeners what the show is about? Yeah, absolutely. So Slashic Horror was born out of my love for not just horror cinema, but horror fiction, video games. And I've been obsessed with horror since I was a child. Like my dad was very much into film and he used to run this, like it was like a mobile video store on the back of a van. So we used to have VHS tapes like everywhere. Like it was ridiculous. And we saw a lot of films in our house, especially new releases, but also some old ones. And as I grew up, my obsession just, it, it only grew stronger and I'd watch these films and read these books, but it also led on to me wanting to tell my own stories. And that's kind of how I got into creative writing eventually. And it just, it basically, it was born out of that, that love for the genre. And oh, I totally I just understand wanted, that. Goosebumps yeah, did that for me. Goosebumps absolutely. had already of the dark. <laughs> I mean, well, that's something else as well. Watching TV, growing up with TV shows like that, I mean... It wasn't just, you know, your, your adult horror. It was obviously, you know, YA TV shows like that that really helped stem my my passion for it, I suppose. And 
I just thought, okay, well, I like horror, so I wanted to do something fun, so I created a podcast slash a horror where I basically just chat and get very excited about loads of different uh, forms of horror, and that's uh, that's been going on for a couple of about two months now. But yeah, I'm really enjoying doing it. I love the show. I love how you you don't just tackle books, you don't just tackle movies. You also jump into, like you said, the the kid horror, the the you know the YA middle grade stuff, yeah. and how it kind of helps shape your view of things as well. And I like how you don't shy away from other things other than horror as well. Something yeah. that's just spooky at the same time. It's not necessarily like scary, but it's something creepy. Like you just did an episode on Elvira. Now she's not Ooh. scary. But, yeah. you know, we love Elvira. So and she's horror adjacent. She, you know, hosted, you know, basically midnight horror shows and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And and she you know, has the campy movie and uh, movies, actually. But um, <laughs> stuff like that. I think that's really cool. And I, that's the reason why I was like, I like this guy. He's great. I'm going to have him on this show. We've got to oh, talk. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. That's it. It's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just have to be um, specific to the genre. Like, um, like you said, with the, the kids stuff, I talked um, a little bit about some fantasy films that we all grew up with, like Labyrinth, Legend, Neverending Story. There's some elements in those films that are just so scary for, for kids, let alone even now, like I get, I think about Gamork in the dark and sometimes I can see his eyes. So oh, yeah. take oh. that what you will. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw, I just did the live tweet for Neverending Story for Josh winning. And, I did, um, yeah. For, yeah, for the, uh, what, the Shadow Glass uh, Guild, the 80s fantasy film club, whatever. And I remember I was watching Gamora because like, oh, man, this is the part that scared me. Mm. I know Artex and that was horrifying for some people. And it was sad. I did not do that to me when I was a kid. <laughs> like, the, 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 you know, it was sad that, the, you know, the horse drowned in the mud. But I am mm. um, no, that that big wolf talking to him and like <laughs> jumping out at him. And I don't know. I felt like as a kid, it felt like a longer scene. <laughs> <laughs> and as yeah. you get older, you're like, whatever, it's not that bad. But <laughs> you watch as a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, please just let this be off my screen. You know, <laughs> I also equate that to like Michael Jackson's Thriller. I mm. was so scared of Thriller growing up. That came out, and I was like three or four years old, and I remember like hiding behind the pillows, the couch cushions. <laughs> And um, just uh, my little eye peeking out, but I didn't want to. I would have nightmares, especially that scene where she runs into the house and all the zombies are coming after. That's probably why I can't like watch zombie things. I just I don't do zombies. <laughs> I just yeah. don't. At you have all. to uh, thank Thriller for, for your fear of zombies. I'm pretty basically. sure that's what scarred <laughs> me for life. Like I could do like Shaun of the Dead. I can mm. do Warm Bodies stuff that's comedic and kind of has a happy ending. You know. But for the most part, no, I can't do it. I just can't do rabid cannibalism. You know, I can't mm. do it. So especially those new like Dawn of the Dead and whatnot, where they're like really rabid, you know? Yeah, it's it, a, it is a lot to be fair. But yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I suppose that's uh, the, the zombie genre for you. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I don't care about Walking Dead either. I don't care if it's, a, you know, I don't, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I know they're I like, don't, I uh, really don't like that show. I'm, I mean, I've tried watching it, but I don't get the hype, but that's just me. Well, hey, <laughs> that's not for everybody. Not every, and you know what? Not everything for every genre is going to be for everyone who loves that genre either, you know? So no. not everybody's going to like every fantasy movie if they're into fantasy or sci fi show or whatever. Um, so yeah, I totally understand that. So Leroy is on Instagram and Twitter. So you can follow Slashic Horror at Slashic Horror on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also follow me at Leroy Cross James on Instagram as well. Awesome. Great. 
So, okay, you had not read this book before you saw the movie, correct? No, I mean, I'd heard of it, and um, I, I discussed with you, actually, before before we uh, decided to do the episode, that it's been on my Kindle for a while, so I was aware of it, but, yeah, I'd never read the book before. Okay, Did, how long, I mean, when was the first time you saw the movie? Probably not long after it came out on VHS, actually. Like like I said, my, my dad would always take us to video stores, so it, I probably watched it not long after it was released into um, video stores like Blockbuster or something. Okay. Were you a big fan of it or were you just kind of like, eh? Um, I mean, I mean, as a kid, I probably liked it because I like those sorts of films anyway, but I just think by 2001, the, the whole ensemble slasher trend had kind of been there, done that, the post scream slasher. It's, I thought it was kind of like dead in the water. And yeah. I think in this film, it kind of shows. Oh, definitely. It definitely shows in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen it until the other night. It was my first time ever seeing it, which is what, 21 years later. It just had its 20, 21st birthday. Yeah. So, and uh, I was like, wow, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, that's all I can say for that right now. But um <laughs> I mean, how would you say this holds up compared to other stuff like My Bloody Valentine? Like, which would you say is better? Def- uh, definitely My Bloody Valentine. I mean, the the original, I wasn't a fan of the remake personally. Um, and that was the the next slasher boom with uh, all the, the remakes and then the 3D and all that. But oh, yeah. the, the original, like, 80s, like, that, that style of film, My Bloody Valentine, I think that definitely is a better film. Um, and with valentine it just as i say it just i don't know i kind of feel like it was ticking a box that didn't need to be ticked at the time because it's like okay we've had all these slashes post screen or you know like um we had urban legend which is by directed by jamie blanks who directed this as well but even they seem worlds apart in terms of how to present that type of slasher film in that type of era i i don't know it just didn't seem to for me didn't seem to work. It was a bunch of unnecessary remakes. They're still doing them, you know. Mm. Well, now they're doing the unnecessary requels. <laughs> well, you know, oh, yeah. some of them some of them are like, uh, and then, you know, I'm not going to get into Scream and whatnot because no. I was on, you know, Brucker's show about that. So if you want to hear that, go to, uh, you know, <laughs> Autopsy of a Horror Movies podcast and listen to his reaction and my reaction to Scream 2022. But, uh, yeah, there's some things like that why are we going backwards i don't know mm. but everybody's like, oh they can't think of any new ideas they do but they're not going to invest in something they're not sure is going to make money they know these things will make money or they'll bring in an audience so that's the reason why they do it mm. they you know there's yeah. stuff made out there but they don't get an audience you know it seemed um, like a good idea at the time i suppose when especially when they're like you know the hype around the next halloween coming out it's like oh, okay so they're going to try again by doing a different storyline but it's like okay well I, I like those films. Don't get me wrong, I do. But it does seem like they are cashing in now. And, kind of beating a dead horse. <laughs> yeah, and that's the sad reality of any when any trend happens with horror, eventually things do turn into, movies turn into cash-ins, and it takes away from the fandom of wanting that sort of film to it ultimately being just so the studios can make money off it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now I'm going to summarize the movie. It's going to be a little bit, so just to let you know. 
<laughs> I have quite a few notes here. I'm just going to go through the entire thing. I'm going to go through the entire movie and we're going to go through the entire book. But first, we're going to go through the movie. So to summarize the movie, it was released as again in 2001 and was written by Donna Powers, Wayne Powers, Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts and is, quote, based on the book by Tom Savage. <laughs> you know, if you can't see my air quotes right now, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Like you said, it was directed by Jamie Blanks, who is most notably yeah. known for Urban Legend at the time. And it stars Scream 4 and 5's Marley Shelton, mm. Angel's David Boreanaz, Jessica Capshaw, who most will know from Grey's Anatomy, Jessica Caulfield of Legally Blonde. She was El sorority mm. sister. Uh, Daniel Cosgrove, who I know from Beverly Hills 90210, and a lot of the people know from Van Wilder. Uh, Johnny Whitworth from empire records i i think is the most notable thing that he's been in um and a brief appearance by Catherine heigl from also from gray's anatomy but at this moment um was actually in the middle of filming the very first roswell incarnation on the wb on the wb network which is now the cw in the united states i was gonna say actually with with Catherine heigl it kind of spoiler time kind of going into the first scene in the movie already but with her being in the opening, I kind of thought, why? Like, because Roswell, like you said, Roswell was only, I think it was after this, wasn't it? Or was uh, it just no, it's about the same moment. I think it was, uh, oh. Roswell started in 99. The first season was 99 to 2000. Oh, okay. No, okay. I got that wrong then. Okay, so she kind of had that fandom, I suppose. Yeah, she did. She had, okay. she had a following, at least at this point, and they're really trying to push her, you know, becoming the up and coming star and whatnot. Mm. It was a WB movie and the Roswell was on the WB network. So it just kind of, you know, went together. She probably had a contract with Warner brothers, I'm sure. Mm. Anyway. So, okay, let's go into the story in 1988 at a middle school dance, sixth grade geek, Jeremy Melton, about 12 years old, goes around asking various girls to dance. First there's Shelly who says in your dreams, loser. Then there's Lily who just says, ew. <laughs> and then there's Paige who says, not ironically <laughs> at all, I'd rather be boiled alive. <laughs> he gets to Kate and she says, well, maybe later, Jeremy, which gives him hope. She's the nice Aww. one. Yeah, yeah, she's nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, he gets to Dorothy who's sitting alone on some bleachers, um, which I don't understand who has metal bleachers in a gym. Just freestanding metal bleachers they usually don't have that they had the ones that usually folded to the wall or something like that but they don't usually just have random bleachers in the middle of the gym i don't i don't get it but anyway she's sitting alone and accepts his offer and they're soon making out under those bleachers but next thing we know some asshole boys show up and they're saying things like check it out thick and thin getting it on like wow wow I, that poor girl, that poor actress. Mm, I, <laughs> I feel so bad for her. I was like, oh, they called her. She wasn't even that big. Like, I know, I yeah. She it's just had so a rounder random. face. That was it. But she was, uh, I, don't, I don't know. She was growing into her look. She looked good. Anyway. Yeah. So they called Dorothy the, quote, buffalo and Jeremy a pervert because she pushes him away and says that Jeremy attacked her. And then I'm like, oh, man, you bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then absolutely. these boys dump a full punch bowl on top of him and his nose starts to bleed, I guess, out of embarrassment or just, you mm. know, high anxiety or something. 
So then the boys proceed to rip his clothes off down to his underwear. And as he tries to run away, they tackle him and they beat him up. They're kicking him as this entire dance erupts, erupts in laughter and cheering. And some are wearing these wearing these weird Cupid masks at this mm. dance, which I thought was weird. Who hands out masks <laughs> at a Valentine's dance? I don't Anyway. I mean, a Valentine dance is something that that's quite frequent at high schools in America. Oh, Obviously, yeah. being a UK resident, we don't really have stuff like that. Yeah, well, we did. Well, I know in junior high we did. We didn't really have them in high school. Mm. And um, this would be, quote, kind of junior high. Sixth grade falls into that cusp. But mm. sixth grade for me was grade school, was elementary. But for other places, it would be sixth, seventh, eighth would be middle school or sixth and eighth or sixth or seventh. It just depends somewhere in that mm. region. So, yeah, um, even a character later on says junior high, which I thought was funny. Like it says middle school and you're, usually you don't interchange them. It's either middle school or junior high. You don't <laughs> usually change them out. So I went to junior high. I was seventh and eighth grade, which is mm. 13 and 14. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we jump to present quote present day 13 years later and Shelly is Catherine Heigl and she's mm-hmm. on a date with some guy named Jason Marquette who's Adam J. <laughs> Harrington who refers to himself in the third person Jason likes oh, he's so <laughs> Jason cringe. does this and Jason like at first I was like who's he talking about and then it turns <laughs> out he was talking about himself <laughs> it was weird I don't know why they wrote that that way but whatever I know um, she's ready to go, of course, because he's got spinach in his teeth. He's kind of a douchebag mm. and she ends the date early. Of course, he can't afford the check and nitpicks what she ate. So she's just like, fine. And she pays. Mm. So she leaves and goes to the cadaver lab at her med school and begins to work on a body. I think it's Chad. Is that Chad's the, name of the, the body? cops? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then she hears something. She runs and, you know, she goes to check it out and she runs into another student in the dark school. Why aren't there any lights on? I don't know. (laughs) And finds a Valentine that threatens to slit her throat. Mm. What? So she returns to the cadaver lab and as she's about to cut in, it breathes and she's like, (gasps) she backs up. And the body behind is that she was working on. Chad is actually in the closet behind her. And she goes, oh my gosh. She looks up back again and the body that was on the the table is gone. Mm. So How of course now she's like, <laughs> I was like, you better pick up one of those scalpels girl. I mean, at least she did that. You know, she yeah. grabbed something right away. I got a hand of her of that. Um, <laughs> she, you know, try, you know, cautiously tries to leave with the scalpel in her hand. And all of a sudden hands reach out and grab her from behind a curtain. And she stabs the person and runs. Uh, she can't get to the elevator fast enough to get it to come to her. So she runs down another hallway through another door into a hall filled with bodies in body bags laying on tables or, you know, I don't know what you would call those. I guess carts, I guess. I, uh, um, carts, a trolley, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Cupid masked killer just walks in and starts stabbing all the bodies in the body bags, every single one into the last one. He's like, okay. And unzips it, and there she is, screaming her head off, literally now, because he cuts her throat and kills her. Zipping her back up, and then, you know, walking out with his nose bleeding, mm-hmm. similar to somebody else from earlier. Mm. Mm. The plot thickens. Yeah. 
So we cut I, to. <laughs> I must admit, when <laughs> this okay, is terrible, but when Shelley, when he opens the pack and it's Shelley, I started laughing only because I thought, "Why did you put yourself in a bag? It's the most obvious place you're going to be in." That Where did room. she put the body that was in that bag? Exactly. <laughs> I can kind of see why Catherine Heigl doesn't like this film, but then again, that's not saying much because she doesn't seem to like anything she does. But there we go. She doesn't like any. <laughs> she doesn't like anything or anyone. You know, no. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we cut to Kate, who's Marley Shelton, and Paige, Denise Richards. And by mm-hmm. the way, Paige, the little girl version of Paige and Denise Richards, they look almost identical. Is that her daughter? I, I didn't check. No, I don't think it was. But oh, that's right. The, she was way too young to have a, yeah. have a daughter at this point. But they were identical. I was know. I was like, so I, I, knew. I was like, that's Denise Richards right there. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. It was perfect. I thought that was really weird. But anyway, so yeah, they're going on a speed dating night, you know, sitting at tables where they get like a few, a minute or two with somebody and it cuts to the next person. And then, you know, um, and they're going through some real crazy guys, like religious freaks or ones that like, like really weird geeky things and, or just strange things or just, you know, they're militant sounding, whatever. And, um, somebody that's sitting across from Kate page really likes. So she butts in. It's like, Kate, Kate's got a boyfriend <laughs> and this guy named Brian. And she just starts talking to him. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Paige hungry, much mm. thirsty, much, you know, mm. um, <laughs> they, they, you know, they laugh, they laugh as they leave. Because Paige is being hoary. And um, that's when Kate gets a call from Dorothy, Jessica Capshaw, saying that Shelly is dead. <gasps> oh, no. Shock. So they go to the funeral. Cuts right to the funeral. And Kate says bye to her on and off again boyfriend, Adam, David Boreanaz, mm-hmm. who is three weeks sober. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You know. Even though she sees tequila in his card, he claims it's for a friend to celebrate some kind of promotion. I'm like, mm-hmm. Really? Really? Uh, You're three weeks sober and it's totally okay for you to be buying. No, I don't think so. Sorry. I call BS on that one. (laughs) I don't, I'd be, I'd be in her shoes. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't buy it. Absolutely. Yeah. So he leaves and some guy named detective Vaughn approaches all of them, including Lily, Jessica Caulfield to ask about Shelly and you know, if how long it's been since they've seen her and they haven't seen her in about one to two years because she's Mm. been in med school and busy and he says that Jason Marquette was the last one to be seen with her, and now he's missing. Mm. And he asks them to call, you know, here's my number. Call me if you think of anything that could help solve this murder. So, yeah, I thought that was weird. I was like, why is he missing? Hmm. I know. So Dorothy returns home and finds a valentine in the mail that says, mm-hmm. roses are red, violets are blue. They'll need dental records to identify you. Signed, <laughs> J.M. Hmm. JM. JM. Who could that be? Mm. So, just me. Um, <laughs> just me. I don't know. The doorbell rings and it's Daniel Cosgrove, aka Campbell, and he's been evicted from his apartment because his roommate didn't pay the rent. And, you know, he's like, I don't have a place to stay. So she has the Millie, the sassy maid. <laughs> make up a guest room for him. Millie's like, your dad's not going to like this. She was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I love the way that uh, Millie looks at uh, Dorothy. I'm like, She's just kind of like, I'm so sick of your shit. You're the help. <laughs> like, don't even give me your opinion. Anyway, um, <laughs> I pay you for not to not have your opinion. Thank you. Anyway, 
elsewhere, Kate's in her shower when she hears a noise. And she stops and yells out, hello? Of course. And she, you know, she, she gets out and she's all wet and she tries to look and, you know, and then she comes back to the shower to wash the shampoo out of her hair, but the water's <laughs> not running now. So she goes to the sink and that doesn't work. And she's out of water in the fridge. So the next thing you know, she's dipping her head into the toilet to wash out the shampoo. Ew. I'm wondering, I'm like, what is the scene here for? <laughs> I know. Do you know what gets me though? She doesn't. It, she doesn't even give it a good lather. She dunks it once, and then she's done. Like as if, like she like, have soap All dripping right. down her hair. Like <laughs> I would have at least like gotten a gotten a cup or something and like scooped the water out. I wouldn't have, like stuck my head in the bowl. I don't know. She nasty, but. <laughs> So the phone rings, but there's no one answering when she picks it up. And then she notices her apartment door is now open after she went into the bathroom to dunk her head in the toilet. And she follows the ding, ding, ding of the elevator. And it's being wet. There's, you know, it's being held up because there's the Cupid mask, like holding the door open. It keeps going ding, ding against it. She Mm. picks it up. And the next thing you know, her neighbor, Gary, this guy called Claude (laughs) Dumel, who does not look nearly as good as he used to just saying, um, oh. yeah, he's a nice guy. I'm sure. But he was, he was pretty hot back then. I think anyway, mm. he's weird, but he's hot. Weird. Yeah. He she was calls weird. Him Gary and he comes out of his apartment behind her and here's the exchange. <laughs> <laughs> he says, you look great, Kate. How about a date, Kate? You could be my mate, Kate. And she just says, you're scary, Gary. <laughs> And goes back to her apartment and he goes, this could be our fate, Kate. <laughs> so cringe. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, so now Lily is watching dating videos while Paige is, you know, around, I guess they're roommates. Yeah. And there's a buzz at the door. No one but a box of chocolates and a rose at the door. The card says, tis a well-known fact that beauty is skin deep. Savor this taste. You are what you eat. Love, J.M. Lily Mm. says that they are for Paige. Paige insists that they're for Lily. So Lily's like, whatever, okay. So she bites into a chocolate and then immediately spits it out because it's got maggots inside. Gross. I mean, they're technically not bad for you, I guess, but people eat maggots all the time, like maggot crispy treats, you know? Mm. I've actually kind of wanted to try those secretly. Really? Yeah, I kind of want to. (sighs) I've always wanted to try those bug confectionery treats, like... You know, chocolate-covered grasshoppers and whatnot. I've always wanted to try it. You know? (laughs) Well, they're a good source of protein. (laughs) Uh, I suppose there is that. And I don't know. If if you watch um, the new Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness, there's a whole thing about bugs and stuff. And there's a part where they cook bugs and how they're actually better for you and give you more protein and stuff than regular meat. It's Yeah. You should watch it. It's good. Anyway, I digress. Okay. Now they're trying to figure out who has the initials of JM and they're thinking of all these guys. What about Jonathan, you know, whatever. And how about this Jack guy? And they're like, no, I don't know. And then Paige thinks up Jeremy Melton as a joke. And Lily's like, I don't remember him. She's like, Jeremy Melton, the 60 pound pervert from sixth grade. And Lily's like, oh yeah, the one with the buck teeth. And they're laughing and they wonder what happened to him. And then Paige actually acknowledges how horrible they were to him. Like, mm. Well, at least she knows. Yeah. She was very conscious of this fact. <laughs> anyway, now it cuts to this modern art gallery. And, oh, my God, this is, a, I don't know what's <laughs> up with this art gallery. There's TVs in the walls with mouths mm. and body parts. And it's really weird. 
um, Paige is telling Kate about the maggots. Kate tells her about the masks she found. And then they both spot this guy who's staring at them, smiling. And we know him as Jason Marquette from the opening scene. They smile at him. He smiles back. And Paige asks, hey, you want to come over? And then he just like gives her the scowl and walks away. I'm like, what was that about? It's so random. It's really weird. Like, none of this makes sense. When you watch this movie, you're like, especially at the end, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would he do that? (laughs) Anyway. So Lily walks up with her boyfriend, Max, who's Johnny Whitworth. And he's kind of, she's introducing her, him to Kate. And he just like is looking Kate up and down. Like she's a piece of meat and she's, you know, they're all like, you know, put it back in your pants, you know? Um, he seems taken with her, obviously. So this turns out it's his gallery show opening and Paige goes to introduce herself to Campbell, who she sees standing there alone. She's like, Hey, how you doing? And then turns out he's there with Dorothy. Of course, mm-hmm. Paige is single again. Oh, poor Paige, <laughs> the whore. Anyway, later they tell Dorothy about everything that's happened. And she says that the mask is like the Valentine's Day dance mask in junior high. Mm, what a coincidence. Jeremy Melton. And Lily's like, we were just talking about him. <laughs> of course. At least they all remember him now. I mean, come on. Well, yeah, true. It didn't take long. It didn't take long for them to conclude yeah. that. That jumped right to that. <laughs> so, okay. So Max is telling, you know, he talks to everybody and whatnot. He says, all right, I want to split. You know, now the gallery is going to start and I want the men to go this way. And I want the women to go this way. Separating them to, you know, men to the left, women to the right. And there's this like maze of TV mm. screens. We see the women's side and there's a bunch of men's, you know, mouths and faces. And they're saying stuff like, what do you like to do? What do you like to do? What do you like to do? <laughs> like, not this. I don't like to do this. Like, I don't like repetitive questions. Yeah, not an art show that I would probably want to go to. Just... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then and there's like, love me. Love me. Love me. No. <laughs> no one will not. Thank you. Oh, I just uh, I can't do it. We, we see Max and Lily are making out with some chick named Amy walks up and watches. And she starts like caressing her boobs and unbuttoning her shirt. And Lily looks over and is like, what the hell? And he's like, what? I invited her. He's, he's like, no, no, no. We're not doing this. <laughs> she's like, it's not like we're in junior high school. I'm like, wait, you did that in junior high school? <laughs> What's I mean, wrong with her? <laughs> again, a random scene random there's so many things in this movie that don't belong at all it just doesn't make sense anyway (laughs) i mean i love what um i love when uh lily basically says to him like oh you you uh you turned out to be a cheap hypocritical sleazeball and he uh, he turns around and just goes yeah but you already knew that it's just kind of like okay you're admitting you're a douche that's 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 okay yeah i'm a douchebag how it is i mean hello i didn't say i wasn't whatever (laughs) it's just kind of obvious from you know minute one that we meet him so you know anyway so she decides to leave because she has an early flight tomorrow and i'm like oh this doesn't look good (laughs) she leaves and she gets lost in the maze of music screens and voices and a wall closes up behind her i noticed i'm like is this what you know i didn't know if that was part of it or not but i'm doubting it was Mm. everything starts to go dark and malfunction then all of a sudden she turns around and gets shot with an arrow in the stomach and she sees cupid mask shooting you know two more with the nose bleed coming out of the mask she backs up and falls through a projector screen and then through an exit door and then falls over a railing down 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 flights 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 she goes into a dumpster with the lid 
closing in on her. I was like, that was perfect. <laughs> Boom. Nobody knows she gets dumped. Boom. I I feel like Lily in this film was wasted potential because she's kind of like the comedy relief of this film. And she, I think they killed her off too soon. But yeah, she, she think, could have been funnier, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like she's just gone too quickly. But she was an easy target. She was stupid. Mm. You know, you had to take out the stupid yeah. ones first, I guess. Why? That's Why would true. you take out the stupid ones first? Like, if, if you're the killer, like, take out the smart ones who figure it out first. Like, you yeah. know who they are. <laughs> you know, you know. If you've been watching them the whole time, you know who they are. I don't know. Anyway, elsewhere, Campbell is getting chewed out by some woman. I guess her. we find out later her name is Ruthie, which they never introduce her as Ruthie, but we found out her name is Ruthie. It's really mm-hmm. strange. She won't say her who her name is at this point, but her name is Ruthie. And she says she's an investor that hasn't made any money from him. And she's like, bleed me dry dot net. You know? <laughs> like, okay, don't say that. Um, she calls him a leech and it says Dorothy is his latest victim. And she tells him, you better watch your back leech, you know, as he walks <laughs> off with Dorothy. I, I really don't understand. I guess the purpose of the character is to kind of let us know that he's not to be trusted in some way. I guess that's the only purpose, uh, but. But she's very cringe. Yeah. It's <laughs> just the oh whole mannerisms make me cringe. I was I was okay with her getting killed. Anyway. Yeah. Same. So Kate <laughs> sees Adam at a bar. And I'm like, why is he there if he's trying to be sober? Why are they at a bar? Mm. I don't understand. He's like, I'll just have a soda. And she goes, you know what? Scratch my drink and my gin and tonic and give me a soda or whatever she ordered. So she tells him about Scary Gary in her building. And he asks for her back. You know, he's like, can we get back together? And she's like, no, you drink. (laughs) He says, I've changed. And she said, Mm. well, then, you know, you can wait a little while then if you've changed so much. Good point. To be honest, like watching those two characters, there is like zero chemistry between them anyway. (laughs) So I I think it's a good job. I think they should just call it a day anyway. (laughs) No offense to David Boreanaz. And, you know, I know we Mm. all love Buffy and Angel and stuff. He was not the best actor. I mean, he's just not. He couldn't do an Irish accent to save his life. I mean, (laughs) point a gun to his head and you're like, well, I'm going to kill you now because you can't do the Irish accent. You know, it's. Oh my god, it was so bad. But yeah. and he was he was totally playing Angel in this movie. <laughs> Absolutely. It was yeah. it was the height of Angel at this point, actually. And I'm like, he's got the hair, he's got, you know, the car, the flowy shirts and jackets, everything. I was like, Angel, what are you doing mm-hmm. in San Francisco? <laughs> I don't know, but that's exactly what this was. It was, yeah, it was bad. Anyway, now we have Detective Vaughn questioning the girls. You know, Paige says, Lily's out of town. I'm like, that was really weird how Paige just piped that up, bro. You know, <laughs> what's it made me go, maybe she's the killer, you know. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he then shows them remembrance cards that were sent to Shelly's parents. And one was from Jeremy Melton. It said, too bad, so sad. <laughs> Short and sweet. <laughs> Mike, well, too bad, so sad. <laughs> Dorothy and Paige mentioned the, the Valentine's cards they got signed G- JM. And uh, the detective is annoyed because, you know, hello, Jason Marquette, mm. same initials. And they're like, oh, yeah. So Dorothy says, well, you know, Jeremy attacked her at the dance. And then he went on to reform school because of it. I'm like, he did not, you bitch. <laughs> you were lying again. It's been years. Totally lying. She's ripping that pole that's life. Uh, that makes me so mad. <laughs> detective Vaughn says he'll look into Jeremy Milton, but they shouldn't worry. 
When leaving, Dorothy tells the others the truth, saying, you know what? Jeremy really didn't attack me. I just said that. And he was, why didn't you tell the... I just didn't want to. It took her 13 years to tell her friends the truth. I know. (laughs) You horrible, horrible girl. Mm. So Paige tells her not to worry, saying that, you know, Jeremy couldn't, you know, manage a revenge plot like this. I'm like, you don't know him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know. He was 12. Like, come on. Anyway. Kate searches for Jeremy and, you know, does a web search at her office, but nothing. She's in, you know, mm. she works at a newspaper or something and she, you know, she finds nothing for him. Then Adam sneaks up on her and he's like, hey, we have dinner plans, remember? And she's like, oh, yeah. So she tells him about everything that's been going on. The Valentines, you know, the missing people, you know, the death and whatnot. He walks her home and she's like, do you want to come up? I'm like, you just told him you need to wait. <laughs> And now you're like, you want to come up? And he's like, you know what? No, I'm not going to. I don't want you to regret anything tomorrow in a moment of weakness. I'm like, well, there you go. See, he was <laughs> listening. Like, come on. <laughs> he's being sensible at least. Exactly. <laughs> God, like these people don't know what they want when they want it. No. It's bad. <laughs> Detective Vaughn says that Jeremy went to reform school and then juvenile hall. And then he did a stint in a mental hospital. I'm like, that's not looking good for Jeremy, guys. No. But no one knows where he is now, but his Mm. parents died in a fire a few years back. It was ruled an accident, but it does look suspicious. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of (laughs) hmm, convenient. They look at possible composites of what he might look like. I'm like, well, don't you have anything from now? He's like, if I did, we wouldn't be looking at these composites, you dumbass. (laughs) I love how he said that. Like, would we be looking at this if I had anything recent? Come on. (laughs) Stupid. Anyway, um, and you know what, though? Those composite things usually are very spot on. Like, they Mm. usually take pictures of the mom and the dad, how they age. They combine them, what the person looked like before, and they they usually get really close. So Mm. the fact that they couldn't do that at this point, I don't understand. But whatever. I just think that's very strange. Anyway. Just to throw the uh, audience off, I guess. Yeah, I just... Anyway, so he's like asking, hey, have you guys had any new people enter your life? What about your boyfriends? And Kate's like, well, I work with Adam. You know, I've worked with him for years. And he's from from Seattle, you know, and his parents are there too. And Dorothy's like, well, I've only known Campbell a month. And they're like, you've only <laughs> known him a month and you asked him to move in with you? <laughs> and he's like, okay, what's Campbell's last name? She's like, uh, this is ridiculous. Leave me alone. I'm like, no, you're ridiculous. You don't even know his last name. You've known him a month and you asked him to move in. I just, she gets mad and she leaves. She's I'm such like, a brat in this oh movie, Dorothy, isn't she? Like, honestly, she's, she's like, she's, oh, she's so annoying. Oh my God, she is. <laughs> Kate follows her out. And then there's this moment like where Detective Vaughn asked Paige to stay. And he hits on her. He's like, what are we going to do about this? She's like, about what? About the sexual tension between us. <laughs> She's like, excuse me, um, please remove your hand from my thigh. And he says, where would you like me to put it? She goes, how about up your ass? <laughs> Honestly, worst detective ever. <laughs> <laughs> she leaves and I made a, con- made a note. Was this necessary? <laughs> it was I know, because it's like... All the other characters have left, and it's just those two. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, what, what's the point in this scene? I don't get it. There's no, like, romance, anything. I don't understand. But, I mean, he does have a certain appeal to him, in a way. He's not, like, gorgeous or anything. But there's some kind of, I guess it's because he's a man of power, and he's got that, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's, you know, I don't 
No, I get it. I get it. Yeah. You get what I'm I saying. Mean, not like you wouldn't look twice him on the street, but when you meet him, you're like, oh, he's kind of hot. Anyway, yeah. um, so all right, back to this. <laughs> in, in an unnecessary comical scene, Cupid shows up in Kate's apartment as Scary Gary is trying on her pantyhose or nylons or whatever, and he grabs the hot iron. Why the iron is on, I don't know. It's just on, Maybe steaming he was away. Her underwear for her, just to be kind. I, I don't know. know. He walks in. He's Gary's putting on these nylons, and he's like, "Who are you? Take it easy, brother. I am not well." <laughs> he stands up, and then and Cupid just like smacks him across the face with the iron, and then he singes his face in a comical way. Ah! And then just like swings the iron by the cord and just like beats him to death with it. And that's the last we see of Gary. We don't know what happens to him. We don't know where he gets stashed. Nothing. I was like, (laughs) what was this about? Like, so strange. So Kate returns home to find Adam outside buzzing her apartment. And he's like, happy Valentine's Day. I'm like, wow, we're we're already at Valentine's Day? (laughs) You have to remember, I read the book first. So I'm like, Mm. went right to Valentine's Day. He would have been there earlier, but he was detained by the detective. And he asks if he can be her date to Dorothy's Valentine's Day party tonight and hand her a heart-shaped lollipop. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. It's a thick-ass yeah. lollipop, though. Um, Still got no chemistry, but okay. No, yeah, there's not. Sweet. There really isn't. <laughs> it's really forced. She writes, she grabs like a, a, a receipt, a, a cleaning receipt, and she writes an I-O-U-T-L-C on it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's like, oh, thank you. You know, he leaves and she comes home to find Paige in her apartment. I'm like, was there not blood all over your bedroom floor? I know. <laughs> that got cleaned up, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, Dorothy calls and she's mad that the, the detective has questioned Campbell. And Paige is like, you know what? You, need, you know, why don't you just make it up to him? And Dorothy's like, how? He's like, use your imagination. <laughs> and then Dorothy hangs up. The phone rings again and Detective Vaughn picks up. He says he's picked up Jason Marquette, but he says, you know what? We got him, but just be cautious. You know, just mm. stay with your friends. Be cautious. I'm like, that's smart. Like, you don't know yeah. for sure if this is the guy. Um. Oh, my God. And we cut to Dorothy and she's like, hey, Campbell, I've got something for you. <laughs> and she hands him this expensive watch. You know, I don't know if it's mm. a Rolex or what, but. Um, he's like, oh. I think it's meant to be. Yeah, I think it's yeah. He's like, I didn't know we were exchanging, and I'm like, well, of course you've known her a month, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't get her anything. So they make out a little bit, but it seems he can't get it up as they lie mm. in bed together. He's it's disappointing. I'm like, that's basically what we're supposed to believe. Like he mm. he just couldn't get it up. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> so she goes to shower, and then he startles her in the shower. And hands her a towel. He goes, now it's my turn. I was like, oh, what's he going to do? And then he's like, here you go. And hands her this Cupid necklace. Like, oh, okay. Mm. You got her out of the shower for this? Like, you couldn't have just left it? <laughs> anyway, she likes it. She puts it on. She's like, well, you want to get in the, you know, get in the shower with me, basically? And he's like, oh, I have an investor meeting I have to go for in an hour. Of course. And of I'm course like, he does. Okay. <laughs> And he says, you know, it's tempting, but, you know, I want to go work out before my meeting. I'm like, huh? I'm like, why mm. is he acting like he's rich at this moment? Like, he acts like he owns this place. The way he's mm. acting, you know, like, this is weird. He gives her a peck and he leaves. And she's like, okay. 
<laughs> Honestly, this guy is such a douche. How can she not see? He's, he's got cute uh, dimples, though. I'll give him that. Cute yeah. dimples. <laughs> yeah, he's got that going for him, I guess. And I guess it just it cuts to like hours later or whatever. Mm. I don't know. And he's down by the pool, the indoor pool, um, on the phone with some with the bank saying that his name is Kevin Wheeler. Mm. And he's wanting to transfer his goddamn funds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like completely different demeanor. He mm. is a con artist slash leech. Yeah. And the next thing you know, Dorothy calls him over the intercom and he's like, ugh. He gets mad and he smashes the cell phone on the ground. I'm like, chill out. <laughs> My God. She's so like, hey. I'm the help now. Yeah, I'm the help now. And she's like, yeah, can you like relight the water heater in the basement? Because we lost hot water in the house. He's like, oh, fine. I'm the help. I'm on the staff. <laughs> and he pouts and he descends the basement steps. He looks for the water heater. And then we see the Cupid is in the dark behind him. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he lights the the pilot light, and then that's when Cupid throws an axe in his back, and he's dead instantly. Like one axe, <laughs> boom, nothing. He's gone. I guess he hit him right on that perfect nerve. Um, <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Boom, down. All right. The party starts, and it's more like a frat party than I was mm. expecting. And you know, for this girl to have, it's it's like a frat party. People are going nuts yeah. in this house. I put on my notes, party way too over the top. It is. I'm like, they're <laughs> way too old for this to be this type of party, you know, for their late mm. 20s. I mean, you would have a party and have fun. People would be drinking and dancing and whatnot, but it wouldn't be like this. This no. feels like chug, 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 like that kind of, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. I'm not, I'm not part of this group. Um, Paige tells Kate that she's waiting for quote Brian from the speed dating. So she's playing phone tag. Mm. All right. And Dorothy sits in the kitchen with the staff eating buffalo wings. <laughs> a huge pile of them. She's, she's my kind of girl. <laughs> well, I hate her, but she's my kind of girl. Uh, <laughs> eat your feelings. There you go. <laughs> yeah. No Campbell in sight. She's sad. Adam shows up and kisses Kate. And Dorothy says, men suck. No offense, Adam. Out <laughs> <laughs> of jealousy. So Dorothy leaves. And Kate and Adam flirt, and he holds up her I-O-U-T-L-C on the you know receipt she wrote. Paige dances alone as Brian shows up. And it's like, oh, okay, I remember who this guy is now. We mm. didn't, I don't, we learned his name earlier, but it was so long ago in the movie that I was, oh, that's the Brian, yeah. the speed dating guy. So she, you know, puts his hands on her to dance, and he's like, you want to take this upstairs? And she's like what's upstairs? And he's like, something I want to show you. It's a surprise. She's like, I love surprises. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Denise. So in in an unnecessary, another unnecessary funny scene, it's really (laughs) unnecessary. They're now making out in a bedroom and she stops him and says, you know, Hey, what about that surprise you, you promised me? And then he drops his pants. It says surprise (laughs) with a smile. (laughs) And her response is, you brought me up here to show me your penis. That's so sweet. <laughs> sarcastically. She says it sarcastically. <laughs> and he's like, well, this is what I, I don't understand it. I mean, I get the reason why now, but when I watched it, like, who talks like this? He says, mm. well, what are you waiting for, honey? Wax it. <laughs> I mean, it's not a car, bitch. Like, what the hell? She gets oh. annoyed. And gets up to leave, and he grabs her wrist and tells her to relax. She <laughs> says, okay. 
remove your shirt and your pants. So he does. And then she pushes him down to the bed and she kind of straddles him and stuff. And then she gets like some scarves or something and ties his feet and his hands to the bedposts. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, oh, yeah. And she blindfolds him. <laughs> and he says he knew the first time he saw her that she was a kinky bitch. And I'm like, oh, don't be saying that right now. <laughs> she asks if, she, if he still wants her to wax it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> she grabs a candle and pours scalding hot wax all over his dick <laughs> and leaves. And he's still tied Ow. up. <laughs> We never see him again, so he's yeah. still up in the damn bedroom. <laughs> While all of the, the rest of the climax of the film's going on, he's probably still there in pain, tied to a bed <laughs> naked. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she goes downstairs, and she spots Ruthie, the watch-your-back leech bitch, um, <laughs> from the gallery. She beelines for Dorothy, saying that Cupid necklace is, you know, Ruthie does, goes over to Dorothy, says, that Cupid necklace is mine. And Dorothy says, no, Campbell gave it to me. He loves me. And the bitch wags her finger and says, he loves your trust fund. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) And then Kate and Paige throw her out. They just like, no, 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 you got to get out of here. So they throw out Ruthie. Dorothy's embarrassed. Paige grabs a drink. She's like, whatever, I'm gone. And she goes off on her own. I'm like, that's not a good sign. So then Max, the quote artist, shows up. And he's like, hey, you know, where's Lily? Asking Kate. And she goes, Kate's like, she's in LA and you know, she does not like him calling her sweetness. (laughs) Why are you calling me sweetness? He says, no, he called Lily's office and she never showed up in LA. Uh Oh, and she wants to know how long he's known about this, but he just keeps checking her out, calling her sweet sweetness, evading the question. (laughs) Next thing we know, Ruthie leech bitch, um, Mm -hmm. sneaks back into the party. And now she's in Campbell's room and finds the watch in his bag. She's like, I'm taking this. <laughs> and uh, she hears a sound in the hall. And she kind of, oh, what's that? And she goes, all right, I'm going to get out of here. She sneaks out and goes the back way down this s- staircase through Ooh. a very red plaid billiard room. Yeah. Uh, it looks like scotch tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> she catches Cupid. The Cupid killer pulling a very dead Millie, the maid, from another room. I'm like, man, you're just killing everybody, aren't you? And we don't even get to I see her love, death. I love how casual Ruthie is at first. She's kind of just like looking at him with the body kind of like, like what's going on here? <laughs> so he comes out, he pulls out a knife, and she ends up, you know, running, running in another room down a hall and hides in the sauna under the bench. And then like Cupid like looks through the window. And then he steps away and he looks back through the window again. <laughs> and then he steps away. I'm like, are you going to keep doing that? <laughs> this is going to be like double dutch back and forth. Uh, <laughs> she's like, you know, you think like, does he see her? She's hiding under mm. the bench in the sauna. And she presumably hears him leave. She hears the door open out there. I'm like, no, that's a trap. It's a trap. Don't do it. Mm. Then she finds Campbell's dead body stuffed into the sauna. She's like, <gasps> she muffles her mouth, you know, trying not to scream. She slides up out from under the bench and she exits the sauna. The hallway door is open. So she's like creeping and she kind of turns back around. I'm like, he's not behind you. You just came from there. (laughs) And then she turns back towards the hallway door and then he jumps out and he throws her through a glass shower. And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, "Um, yes, this is what's going to happen. And he pushes her throat into the, like the part of the glass that's sticking up and it kills her. Of course. Oh, what a shame. Really, really. (laughs) Anyway, 
Yeah. So Kate <laughs> checks in on Dorothy and tells her that Max said that, you know, Lily wasn't in L.A. And they go downstairs and Dorothy wonders if Jeremy Melton's at the party and says her dad has a gun in his study. Kate says, that's a good way to get us both killed. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Kate's cell phone rings and it's Detective Vaughn saying they had to let Jason Marquette go for lack of evidence. And he's, you know, the detective's on his way. She's like, oh, no. So they go into the next room and Kate finds Adam drowning himself in champagne. Not really drowning himself, but just drinking it all up. And she gets mad. She was like, hmm, I guess this is what 12 steps looks like or whatever she says. And uh, he's like, what? No, come on, baby. It's Valentine's Day. And she gets mad. She runs away. Hmm. Meanwhile, Paige gets into the hot tub alone. Her back to the door, of course. As she do. Yeah, of course. And, you know, Cupid shows up behind her and shuts the door. She turns and looks. No one. She turns back and finds a rose next to the bottle that she just poured from. And she stands, hello. And she looks into this like greenhouse garden that's right in front of her. She goes, someone want to be my Valentine? (laughs) And she keeps going, come on, come on. I'm like, no, 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 stop. Don't tease somebody like this. You have a killer on the loose, you dumbass. (laughs) (laughs) She gets out of the hot tub and walks around thinking it's Brian. She's like, get the fuck out, Brian. Then Cupid shows up and behind her and throws her into the hot tub, slamming the clear. I don't know why they have a clear lid, but I've never mm. seen a hot tub with a clear lid, but a clear lid over her and locking it. So she's stuck in there and he uses an electric drill all around it and his drilling holes. I'm like, well, you know, any chance of her like suffocating went away because you're drilling holes in this thing. And he gets her once in the arm, like really gets her in the arm. She stops. Oh, my arm. So then once she stops, Cupid opens up, lifts the lid. And then throws the drill in, just electricing her and shutting the power down throughout the whole house, ending the party. I love that kill scene, though. I think that out of, I mean, most probably of the, the best one in the movie is, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as soon as he he put that lid down on her, I just literally I felt my own throat closing up from the claustrophobia, and then with oh, the drill yeah, as totally. well, I was like, oh my god, it is definitely probably. Probably is the best kill, but it's probably the best scene in the film as well. I was half expecting him to somehow like turn up the heat mm, and boil, boil her, her alive. Like he said, boil her, boil me yeah. alive. And that's when I'm like, oh, and that didn't happen. So, no. Um, it did give me memories of, I still know what you did last summer though, with the, with the, um, the tanning bed. Oh, God. Yeah. Which was such a stupid, oh, oh my God. That's such a stupid oh, scene. Yeah. But it's anyway. An awful film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> But um, this whole movie felt like I still know what you did last summer in a way. It really did. It's like, is there really any danger? Really, guys? I mean, are you just stupid? You know? But anyway. So people are leaving this party. Kate wonders where Paige is. And Dorothy says she's probably in the hot tub and asks where Adam is. And Kate says, maybe the wine cellar. Dorothy says, you know, maybe it's him. And they argue. And, Dor- you know, she's like, well... Dorothy says a little plastic surgery and Jeremy Milton could be Adam care or car car. That's I said care. Sorry. Um, Kate says, well, it could be Campbell. And then Dorothy gets mad <laughs> instantly saying that Kate's just jealous of the fat girl for getting a good looking man for once. And I'm like, what? She is so deluded. Honestly. Oh my God. She's so bitter. Dorothy says that Kate was the popular one and Shelly was the fun one. And Lily, you know, oh no. Shelly was the smart one. Lily was the fun one. And Paige was the sexy one. And she was just the big fat one and thinks that Kate 
you know, still considers it that way now. So Dorothy storms off. Screw all of you. <laughs> I'm like, she wasn't even that big though. Like, <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> they they even say it later earlier. Like, you know, if you were a little bigger back then, but you know, I'm like, yeah, but you're not now. So what do you care? Like, yeah. get out. Let it go. Man. <laughs> now Kate's alone and she grabs her phone to call Detective Vaughn. She doesn't hear it. And um, she's wondering where he's at. And she steps outside and then she hears his phone ringing somewhere. So she finds, she goes, she's following the sound of the phone and she finds the phone in a koi pond. And the IOU TLC note is floating in the pond. The one that she Ooh. gave to Adam. She grabs it and Okay, I don't know what this was. I guess it's supposed to be a face, a person, but it <laughs> clearly looked like a dummy's head. Mm, it did not it look like a real awful. person's face. So she's like, ah, and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> what, what was that? That looked like a mask. Like, that did it not look terrible. like a decapitated head. I'm no. assuming that's supposed to be Detective Vaughn. It is, yeah. But yeah, it just, it was very, very false. It was it very bad. Like, they could just, <laughs> why don't you just stick the guy in the pond and his head floats up? Like, oh, that's all you have to do. You could just put like black around his deck or some blood, mm. you know, do that. Don't a fake head. No, that was horrible. Nah. Anyway, she screams and she runs back into the house. And inside, we see Adam coming up behind her. And she's like, oh, 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 oh. She, she's so scared. He's like, I just want to dance with you. And she's like, okay. Mm. And she keeps backing away. And she's like, I just want to find Dorothy. And he's like, don't make me beg. So she gives in and they dance in the dark with no music. Mm. He says he screwed up. She says, she's just worried that he will hurt her. And he says, no, he loves her. She's the only good thing in his life. And everyone else could die for all he cares. She's shaking. And she says she doesn't want want to hurt him either. But she will, and she knees him in the crotch. I'm like, okay. I'm like, this is a red herring. It's got to be a red herring. Mm-hmm. She, she runs to find Dorothy. And then Adam shows up wondering what the hell is going on. She says that, you know, what is that? She was just about my drinking, about the drinking. I have no idea what I just wrote there. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, she's talking about his drinking. She says something about his drinking. I don't know. Um, And she runs and he runs after her. And then she runs. She finds Paige in the hot tub. And then she Mm. leaves that room. And Adam comes out again. He hits her with. She hits him with a bottle. Um, She runs again and finds Ruth dead in the destroyed shower. She runs to the study um, to get a gun. She smashes the, you know, the gun cabinet, I guess. She makes her way back upstairs up the very plaid billiard room staircase. And Cupid jumps out and she drops the gun as they both tumble back down the stairs. And they're both kind of knocked out briefly. And when she comes to, she looks over at Cupid and Cupid pops up. Six shots are fired into Cupid by Adam, saving her. Adam lifts the mats. Oh my God. It's been Dorothy all along. Of course, jealousy is the ultimate motivator. I roll. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, it's like, oh my goodness. So then it cuts to Adam's called the police and Kate's trying to make sense of everything. And Adam says that, well, Dorothy was probably just that lonely and angry and it ate away at her until she just acted on it. And Kate apologizes and they exchange an I love you. I always have, he says, as his nose begins to bleed. Oh no. The end. <gasps> <laughs> I mean, come on. (laughs) 
I'm going to, we're going to talk about some of these differences from the book and the movie that we know of right off the bat. Yeah. We're going to go through the book as well, but okay. So it might be easier to say what the movie and the book actually have in common. <laughs> I was going to say that's probably the easiest way to go about it. I mean, obviously the, they both have the same plot more or less, I guess. Um, kind you of. Know, yeah, sort of. I mean. They're both Valentine's Day themed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's both about a guy who's, or, or someone who's stalking um, a group of girls uh, for something that happened to, to them when they were younger and seeking revenge, getting her revenge body mm-hmm. and, going, and going after them. That's pretty much what happens in, in, in the simple description of both the book and the film but yeah i have here i said okay valentine's day theme snobby mm-hmm. clique of girls with the main girl mm-hmm. being the nicest um revenge plot for the killer mm-hmm. main girl has a boyfriend she's known for a little bit for a short while mm-hmm. they all receive valentine's before their demise mm-hmm. uh, they have the helpful detective slash private investigator uh mm-hmm. a killer breaking into the main girl's apartment and a Valentine's Day party at the end. Mm, There's true. also a gallery involved too, a little bit, but that's about it, I think. As far as yeah. like the the things they, the elements they took, <laughs> and then I they mean, crafted their own story with it. It's just so weird to option a book and not have it have anything to do in the make a film of it, but not, not even the it. character names. <laughs> yeah, I mean. As I say, there are those similarities to it, but they optioned it, and then the producers were like, "Okay, well, we're not going to do the book, but we'll just make our own story up." But we like the title. Exactly. (laughs) The main differences I saw that were okay. So the plot, obviously, Um, the location is different because the book is mainly on the East Coast, and the movie is primarily what is all in San Francisco, which is Mm -hmm. the West Coast. Um, The character types. Really, um, I would say the main character is in her mid thirties. They're all in their thirties, mm-hmm. basically, yeah. at this point in the present day. Quote present day. Yeah. Um, when and how the characters die, completely different. Yeah. Um, there's no masked killer. No the killer's not stalking them with a, ma- a cupid mask. Um, the stalking element, I would say, is greater and creepier in the books. I totally agree. It's very much like noir Hitchcockian. Right. And the private and guest investigator in the book is not a hornball like the detective in the movie. <laughs> Honestly. Detective Vaughn. Totally it's so, terrible. Oh my gosh. Detective. Anyway, I'm just, okay. <laughs> anyway. All right. So now we're going to talk about the book. And for those of you who don't want to hear about the book, if you want to read it first before um, hearing about this and what we thought about it or the recap or whatever, you know, you can stop now and you know come back to this later. But if you don't mind, we're going to talk all about the book. And it's a little briefer than I would have made it. I didn't go into too many details, which we're going to talk about some stuff and we're going to have it come mm-hmm. out in the details. But um, yeah, so it's your spoiler warning. FYI, spoiler alert, we're going through the book. All right. A brief summary of the book. Say brief, but it's gonna be a little minute. Um, <laughs> all right, so the book starts on January 31st, and you know, mainly the main thing starts in January. There's a flashback, yeah, to a year before at the very beginning, the prologue, but 
Mainly, it starts on January 31st, and it features a guy stalking the main character, Jill Talbot, a successful murder mystery author in Greenwich Village, Manhattan, where Friends took place. <laughs> that's what I thought of when I first saw it. Oh, that's where Friends are like, that's neat. Um, I know what that is. The stalker has rented an apartment directly across the street from Jill, watching her comings and goings day and night. He eventually slips in and plants listening bugs in her phone and in the apartment. You know, nothing is secret for her, basically. Jill starts to receive Valentine cards. The first one saying, I'm watching you. Signed, Valentine. At first, she thinks it's just a weirdo fan or a prank. However, she does go to the police to file a report. And there's a little side note I put here that there's a part in like, oh, there's a trans woman that she notices who insists Mm -hmm. on being called Veronica. But the author has Jill's thoughts think specifically that this is a guy who's dressed like Tina Turner. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that would be so problematic today. Ugh. It so was. So if you it? read this book and you read that part, just know this was written in 96 before people were as accepting, okay, and, mm-hmm. and as aware. So FYI. Anyway, so she then receives a box of roses um, labeled from her boyfriend of six months, Nate Levin, uh, who's an artist in a gallery mm-hmm. show opening, hence that tie-in I've said earlier. Um, she opens the flower box to find a dead rat inside. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is yeah. when she's like, Oh my God. And she hires a PI named Barney Fleck to help her investigate. And they determined that the, that the rat was placed in the box of roses after they were ordered, but before they were delivered. Also unbeknownst to anyone, Jill is pregnant with her Nate, with Nate's mm-hmm. baby, her boyfriend, Nate's baby. He apparently proposed marriage a little while back and she turned him down. I'm like, that can't be good for poor Nate's ego. You know, can't be. No, absolutely. She's getting really worried and she turns to her best friend, Tara, who lives downstairs and her therapist, Dr. Philbin, for comfort. Dr. Philbin tries to help Jill think of someone from her past that may be doing this to her. And at first, Jill thinks it may be her alcoholic ex-stepfather that tried to rape her when she was 17. But it turns out he's in jail. So that's a dead end. Wah, wah. Hmm. That was a little joke. Dead end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> corny humor. I know. Anyway, so then Dr. Philbin calls her later on and says, oh, you know, it reminds Jill of this incident that happened when Jill was in college. Was it Hartley College? Mm. Hartley College. Yeah. Hartley College in Vermont with a guy named Victor DeMorta and mm. a small trio of girls named The Elements. Now, Leroy, please yes. describe The Elements and – how and why Jill gets wrapped up with them. So on my notes, the first thing I will say is that obviously the elements of have earth, wind, fire and water. So these are the descriptions that people have of these girls in this college, but the elements are basically Tom Savage's version of Heathers. <laughs> so it's yeah, like basically. this little clique of, of young girls and they are the popular clique in college. And Earth is the leader, Sharon. Wind is Belinda. And Fire is the one who's actually okay-ish, Cass. But ultimately, they are not very nice, a nice group of girls. No, Sharon's like the Regina George. Yeah, very much so. And um, when Jill ends up joining the elements, becoming the fourth element, Water... And they make her popular. She changes the hair to look like, is it, I think it's Cass, Cass's hair, isn't it? That mm-hmm. she copies. And um, she 
ends up being a glorified slave to the girls who just get her to do their like term papers and play. So she's just a glorified. Yeah, because they're all seniors at this university. Yeah, is, I know you guys call college and university two different things, but we, we call yeah. them the same thing. So they're seniors, and she's a freshman. She's eighteen. Yeah, yeah. So she gets in with that crowd, even though they're completely awful to her. And there's this boy at the college who they find weird and quote greasy, called Victor De Morta, and he tries it on with. I, th- I think he tried. He tried it on with. Uh, a couple of the girls before he, he moved over to Jill, but Jill was just smiled at him when he was staring at her, and then it's when he goes in to kiss her that Jill runs away in disgust. Well, yeah, and, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. He just ran to her, I'm going to kiss her, <laughs> and is. she's like, no! And he's like, no, Jill, no! <laughs> I know, I think I would run away if someone tried to do that to me, too. Um, but yeah, the, the elements come up with a plan to get back at, at this Victor or, or just to prank him just because he's different, he's weird, or he's, you know, he's greasy. He's, I'm assuming he's nerdy he's looking. acne scars. Yeah. And they decide that they're going to prank him by getting Jill to pass him a note that invites him up to Sharon's room later on that evening. So they come up with this plan that when he comes into the room, they're going to film him while he's book naked and they're just gonna laugh at him basically which is what they do and victor goes absolutely apeshit oh god yes he, he does loses it attacking the girls there's there's descriptions of blood on the wall um a bra comes off in in a rage from scratching at them and he of course ends up being expelled while the other girls claim that he attacked them But Jill feels this guilt about it because she didn't want it to happen. But she was part of it, and she said that it was that that it was the girl's idea, and she stuck stuck up for Victor, which she gets shot down because Sharon, the head girl, is actually having a little affair with the dean of students. Yeah, and he's like, "No, no, no! Do you want to get expelled too?" Kind of thing. Um, She says, "Shame on you." Yeah. Yeah. So, however, we learn that Victor's home life was traumatic with his abusive father and mother and that he went to college to get away from them. He actually didn't tell them that he was going to college. He just took money that he saved up and he ran off without telling them where he was going. So obviously when he was expelled, but this is the thing as well, like if he went to the college and he didn't want them to find him, how did they how did they end up getting coming to coming to the college well they had to have his i'm assuming his original home address so they oh yeah you know when he applied and everything so they probably got in contact with his parents from there usually they would still call the parents if they know you have them you know oh yeah that yeah that makes sense i suppose i suppose you would have had to have put an address or next to kin down i suppose they might have even Um, sent a letter to the parents you know or to the home so his parents pick him up and bring him back home, where, of course, he's still, he gets abused for getting expelled from, from school. Like, the dad beats the shit out of yeah. him and locks him and in the, the closet mom. for days on end. Yeah. And, I mean, this is the thing as well. It's it's that weird, horrible family dynamic where, yeah, the, the parents are both abusive, but there's a chain to it. So 
like the dad abuses him and he abuses the mum, but when the mum punishes him, like she punishes him for whacking off at one point and, and the, dad the dad gets pissed off. Yeah, she beats him with a belt and then the dad, you know, they have to go to the hospital or whatever. And so the dad beats her because drawing attention to them and he was doing the most normal thing he's ever done. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> like, what? Masturbating? Like it was, it was so weird, like that whole situation. And then when the dad gets arrested for beating the mom, yeah. He comes home, beats Victor again, and locks him in the closet. And it's like, oh my God, yes, get out of this yeah. house. Uh, it's just oh. an endless cycle, isn't it? And that's it? when so he no goes wonder. off to college to get out of there because he, he has money that his um, his maternal grandmother left him, like 85 yeah. grand. And he takes that and uses that to fund him himself to go to college. He's only got like a partial scholarship. Hmm. I know, yeah, and it's just, it's just a shame that he wanted this this new life, but that's ultimately where he ended up snapping. But then he once he's back home, he's he's already planned what he's going to do to his parents after everything that's happened to him. He goes into their bedroom while they're both sleeping and kills them both. He slits their throats in their slits their in their sleep. And there's a bit of a struggle with the dad because the dad doesn't go down so easily, but he ultimately goes down, and that's when the police finally show up and they find the dead bodies of the parents, and they arrest Victor, and he goes willingly. He ends up going to prison and, um, you know, the, everybody looks at his like, well, I mean, he was abused through his whole life. You know, mm. they don't say anything about what happened to him at the college. Like that never comes up. No. But no. they look at him. All right. We're going to start, you know, consecutively, concurrently. Excuse me. He's serving his sentences for both his parents concurrently. And he's there for 12 years. And for that 12 years, he, you know, sees all these guys working out. He starts working out every day and gets mm. ri- you know rid of his skinny physique and bulks up and he ends up taking all these like readjustment rehabilitation classes like in art and in mm. um, uh, sports and all this type of stuff and he teaches english he's basically a model prisoner and yeah. they're like okay well he gets paroled 12 years into his sentence which is supposed to be like 15 to 30 years yeah it was meant to be a lot longer but he got, he got out early yeah and he goes and he does like seven weeks of his parole and then he skips out on it. And when he hmm. skips out on it, he goes and gets plastic surgery. Yeah. And so, uh, similar to similar to, I'm assuming, the the Adam character in the movie. So right. There is that similarity. So he, you know, he gets he looks more attractive. And throughout the book, he um he starts meeting up with all these the elements. Mm-hmm. And once a year at around Valentine's Day, he meets up with them. And uh, what did you think of each of their deaths? I mean, the, the intention, I suppose, because was because of their names, but like F, F Wind, Fire, Water, the elements. But it doesn't, other than um, the second one, Belinda, who's wind, because he chucks her off a cliff. Is <laughs> <laughs> that what you said? He chucks her off a cliff. <laughs> Um, I don't. I mean, I, that's his. That's his. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The, he goes by that. There, there. She literally dies to... in the air, kind of thing, right? Because yeah. of you know, yeah, free falling. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, well, there's one for you, Belinda getting thrown off a cliff. Okay. <laughs> just kind of like. <laughs> yeah. 
So, okay, I'm going to go through these really briefly, really quickly. Okay, so, all right. So, what we one thing you didn't touch on was when they did the prank to him, they had the 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 room look like a boudoir, you know, red and everything. And then, you yeah. know, you have Sharon, who's all in black lace. It's like, hey, Victor, how you doing? You know, why don't you take off your clothes? And she, he takes off his clothes, and he's got a raging heart on. And that's when mm-hmm. they burst out with the video camera. All the while, there's My Funny Valentine playing on the record player. But yeah. by, it's by a certain artist, Sarah Vaughn. It's a certain mm-hmm. artist. So for each girl, he stalks and hunts down every year, pretending to be somebody else. Like he goes to Sharon and says his name is Neil Avnet. And he's going to produce her movie because now she's gotten into writing scripts and everything. She's been living off mm-hmm. mommy and daddy's money in L.A. Like it's she's so spoiled. Oh, my God. I was just like, please yeah. kill her. Please kill her. She's horrible. Absolutely. And what he does, he's like, I'm going to, you know. He meets up with her and then they go kind of on a, a meeting date on the February 13th. And then he hooks up with her and they quote, make love, which we find mm. out later that he hired some like hookers to like yeah, teach him how to, to, practice how to, to practice a lot with <laughs> yeah. and learn how to make love and do it great. So he became really skilled at it. And mm. I was like, wow, that is dedication because mm. he had all this money when he got out of prison that had doubled in the bank. Mm-hmm. So he was even you know richer. Um, so he makes love with her and then he's like, Hey, here's a Valentine, bring your Valentine and we're going to go on a picnic. And he takes her on this picnic and she's like, Oh, this is great. And he reaches over and starts playing Sarah Vaughn's my funny Valentine. Mm. Um, and I, I mean, I, I was like, Oh, I know what my funny Valentine I've loved this <laughs> since another stalkery movie, the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh, um, yeah, of course. When Matt Damon sang it, I was like, I've known that song ever since then. Cause I was like, Oh, Matt Damon can kind of sing good for him. Someone actually sang that song at my wedding. Oh Lord. <laughs> so when I read it, I was like, Oh, <laughs> that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, <laughs> so yeah, then he like, she's like, Oh, I love this song. It's one of my favorites. Like, you don't get it. Do you? He was like, I'm Victor DeMorta. She's like, Victor DeMorta who? He was like, oh, and he smacks her in the face. That mm. guy, you pulled the prank on you, bitch. <laughs> And then he like, oh, what he does to her, he breaks her jaw and then he breaks her arms at the elbows. So she Mm. can't like crawl away or anything or dig her way out because he throws her in a a grave after he's knocked her out. I guess he's killed her too, but throws her in a grave, throws the Valentine in and and her script and uh, just buries her in the Hollywood Hills. So, her death is actually pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, when, when you when I read it, I was like, ow. Ow, ow. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then he goes to Belinda, and she's married, but she's kind of unhappy because her husband's a lawyer. He barely spends time with her. He misses their anniversary dinner. I was like, wow, this whole dinner was mm. was something special. It was their anniversary dinner. He's like, yeah, I can't come in. Sorry, I had a sandwich. She's like, what? So, yeah, he ends up like, meeting up with her i don't remember her best friend what was her best friend's name tess uh, or something i can't remember her name anyway uh, no, I can't remember. he meets up with her best friend starts dating her because she's kind of a little floozy mm. too and she, he says his name is lynn vanetti and he's got i know he's thinking of these names <laughs> and he's like yeah he, he's gone he's taking all these like skiing lessons and he says he's a photographer from la and he's looking for you know doing some athletes photo shoots or whatever and um that's why he's in town and so they get together and decide on the, on Valentine's Day they're going to go skiing down what Dead Man's something I don't know Dead Man's Pass. I think that's what they say. That's Dead Man's something or something like that. Yeah, I'm like, of course right. it's yeah, Dead like, Man's something. It's always yeah. Dead Man's something. <laughs> and um, so you know you only one can go down at a time, and every two minutes another person can go down. So he says, "All right." He has 
his new girlfriend, whatever her name is, I can't remember, go down first, and then he's going to go down, and then Belinda's going to be behind him because they're the experts. They've done this before. Mm. And so, you know, he goes down, he stops midway through, and then throws off his skis and lays on the ground, waiting for Belinda. So when she skis down, he's like, oh, oh, like he got hurt. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Are you okay, Lynn? And then he pops up, pulls out a cassette player, and it starts playing My Funny Valentine. Mm. He goes, he was like, he's like, I'm Victor DeMorta. He was like, get ready to die, bitch. <laughs> She's like, what? What's going on? And then he smacks her in the nose because earlier he saw her nose was crooked. And he kind of laughs at himself about how he oh, got yeah, that way because he, he punched her the first time. Pun- yeah, I punched her during the prank, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, what? What's going on? She's like, oh, my nose. And he picks her up and just walks her over to the cliff and just throws her off. <laughs> She falls to her death like 300 feet below. And uh, then he goes and like covers his tracks and then skis down. And then he waits there with the new girlfriend. Like, oh, she'll she be down any minute now. <laughs> Do you know what I love about Belinda's death though? It goes into her perspective of her like, d- go, like literally falling to her death. I know. She's like-, <laughs> she's like, what's going on? She doesn't understand the whole way down. I don't get it. Like it happens that fast apparently. And then it just stops. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, she's dead. And gone. <laughs> yeah. But see, Cass is who we see at the very beginning in the prologue. And he's picked mm. her up. And we, we hear more about her later on, but how he met her and how she used to be married. And now she owns a cabin and in New Jersey somewhere. And, and he sees her going to the same diner every day. And she's, you know, she's trying to write. She wanted to be a writer as well. And um, he kind of acts like he's this patron at the diner and he goes by mm-hmm. Neil Avnet again. And um, the one he gave to Sharon and he hits on her and they hit it off. And, and uh, you know, Cass tells her brother about, you know, about Neil Avnet and how she's met him. And, and next thing you know, um, he, they're making love and it's February 14th. And he, he's like, finally he tells her what his name is. And she's like, what? And he was like, happy Valentine's day, bitch. And then like smothers her with a pillow. Yeah. And then burns her and her whole house down. Cause she's fire. Yeah. But see, but you're right. So yeah. Sharon didn't die because she got buried alive. That would have made sense. Yeah. Exactly. I would have thought just, you know, just break her arms, do everything you can so she can't get out of the hole and then you bury her alive. That makes sense. Mm. And then for her, you just give her some sleeping pills where she's asleep and doesn't get up and then you bury, burn her alive. Yeah. And that would have made sense. But yeah, he smothered her and just burned her. He didn't kill her by fire. He made sure she was dead by fire. But um, yeah, so that's what happened. And it's, wow, it's crazy, crazy. Mm. And if, each time he plays My Funny Valentine, which I yeah. thought was kind of poetic i guess yeah it's very i mean the thing is with 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 victor like uh, briefly just going back to the film obviously valentine the film is a slasher movie with a masked killer victor's very much like a home fatale like he's you know this attractive later on attractive man who's going after these women and he's sexualized quite a bit in the book as well oh yeah and I think that's one of the biggest differences. It is very much like that. That's creepy. New He's very narcissistic of... now too. Cause he keeps checking yeah. himself out in the mirror and everything about how good he looks. And, yeah. Um, I think though, I, I guess they didn't want to do it this way. Cause it'd be hard to cover up who it was, but at the yeah. same time, all they'd have to do is show his body show over his shoulder, that kind of thing. Maybe you get a mm. hair, you know, but you wouldn't see his face. They could do it. They totally yeah. could do it. Because the book does really well to cover up who he is. And I think they could have mm-hmm. done that in a movie as well. I don't think yeah. it would have been that hard. You know, the shot over the no. shoulder, they're going to, you know, 
change the voice, that kind of stuff, you know? Um, at first you think it's every guy that comes up into the picture is going to be Victor DeMorta. Literally. Yeah. Every I mean, guy you're like, uh, Oh, this guy's smoking the same cigarettes and this guy's mm-hmm. doing something else. Or this guy's humming my funny Valentine or something. Um, it leads you to think that Doug, um, Jill's friend, Tara, his, her new mm-hmm. boyfriend could be him because he was once married to a model that died and, and looks. she looked a lot like Jill. Yeah. She was murdered like too, which was kind of suspicious the whole time. You're like she was murdered. He keeps mm. looking at Jill. It's like, what's going on here? Mm. At one point, Jill realizes someone's been in her apartment when she wakes up to hear the Sarah Vaughn, my funny Valentine playing in her apartment. And you're like, oh, crap, it's about to happen. Mm. Here it comes. I'm like, but it's too early. It was yeah. too early. It wasn't February 14th. It was like the 10th or or maybe the 9th yeah, or something. It was, it was way back. It wasn't. Yeah. She she didn't leave till like the Ten, no, the 10th or the 13th. I can't remember. She had like, a, like four days at the, you know, yeah. when, she, when she left. But um, she's, you know, it's playing in her apartment. She has like only one phone in the whole apartment, which I thought was weird, even for 96. Like one phone <laughs> really in your office. So yeah. she's, got, I got, she's like, she grabs a lamp and she like sneaks through and look in the closets, you know. And then she gets into the office and she sees that there's been a hole cut out in the window where somebody could reach in and unlock it mm. and slot it up. And she freaks out. Instead of calling the police, she decides to do like this this code, I guess, that mm. she arranged with Tara because Tara's below and she knocks on the floor. And then yeah. Tara comes up with her, quote, Lady Wesson and uh, says, this is the police. Come out with your hands up kind of thing. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, they meet up and they realize you know, everything's OK and nobody's there. They search everything and. But Jill figures out that she's been bugged because she throws the phone down and she sees the bug in the phone. And then they find the other one under the couch and they, she realizes, you know, someone's been listening this whole time. Mm. So she freaks out and uh, she uh, takes a plan from her book agent, Mary, to sneak off to this writer's retreat of these two other authors that she's friends with own. And she doesn't tell anybody. She says, I'm leaving town, but I'm not telling you where I'm going. So that way, mm-hmm. no one can get it out of you kind of thing. And uh, she, you know, she doesn't tell anybody, but she keeps calling to check in every so often. And yeah. meanwhile, her private investigator, Barney, drives to Victor DeMorta's hometown, Mill City, Pennsylvania, to investigate his childhood home, asking people about him and everything, finds out he was really weird and whatnot. And just when he he goes through her his house... And he could tell that someone had been there off and on eating, walking around. There's footsteps in the dust and whatnot. And then he discovers something in Victor's closet. And just when he discovers something, Victor shows up and slits his throat and drags him out to the backyard and buries him in the garden out back. Mm. And it's like, oh, man, I was like, I was so mad because his wife is at home expecting him. I I was like, damn it, Victor. His last thought before his death was his wife. I know. Sweet. It was so sad. Anyway, so at the writer's retreat, a new guy named Richard shows up on February 13th. He's handsome and he's charming and apparently carrying a gun. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) He's thinking an awful lot about Jill Talbot. And that makes me nervous because I'm like, this guy's obviously Victor DeMorta. Like, it's him. He found who she was. Meanwhile, Nate, her boyfriend, finds out from Mary jill's agent where jill is and after he's done loading his gallery stuff i'm going to go up there and see her and make sure she's okay that kind of thing and and he's like he wants the gallery stuff to hurry up so we can get there 
And so he mm-hmm. ends up racing to her, you know, racing against time. And he's on this motorcycle and it's starting to snow. There's a blizzard. I'm like, get there fast, Nate, get there. <laughs> and, you know, they're having a little Valentine's party at, in the mo- main lodge at this writer's retreat. And Richard just won't let Jill out of his sight. Mm. You know, she keeps thinking of Nate and how she's ready to marry him now and have his baby, even though she hasn't told anybody. She told the one woman at the writer's retreat that she's pregnant. That was it. (laughs) And uh, at midnight, you know, midnight starting to approach and we keep flashing back to Nate. He's passing this, you know, landmark and he's almost there and and it comes back and they're listening to this song and he just keeps going back and forth. And it's like, you know, it gets really kind of exciting because they keep going back and forth. It was a really good writing. You can see the scenes playing out. The pacing was brilliant. It um, was. It was great. Yeah. So, you know, midnight approaches and, you know, Richard keeps asking Jill for one last dance. So she finally complies for a couple of dances, but asks him to walk her back to her cabin where he just kind of lingers around outside. He was like, hey, do you got anything inside that'll warm me up? She's like, no, I'm going to bed. And I'm like, (laughs) you better close that door. Don't let him in. And she cuts the door. She closes the door and he's like, oh, damn it. So he walks off and then he walks off mm. the path into the trees. I'm like, what's mm. that about? I thought that was really strange. Like, what's going on? You know, anyway. But he sees, like, Nate sees this happening, sees the guy walk off. And he's like, who's that? Probably just some guy walking her to her door. So he mm. runs up and he knock, knocks on the door. I'm like, thank God in heaven. <laughs> Nate is there. <laughs> thank God. Damn it. She lets, <laughs> she lets Nate in. And Richard sees this from the trees and he gets pissed off. Now he's got to come up mm. with a whole new plan. I'm like, what? What? Like, what is it going to, what is he going to do? Kill Nate? What's going on? So she and Nate have a big hug and a kiss and everything. And, and the clock strikes midnight and Nate says he has a surprise for her. It's then that he pulls out a little heart shaped box full of candy and starts playing Sarah Vaughn's My Funny Valentine on a little cassette player. She's yes. like, what? Happy Valentine's Day. And I'm 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 just with her. I'm like, what's going on? What is yeah. going on? And we jump back to, quote, Richard's perspective. Turns out his name is actually Doug McFarland, Cass's gay brother. What? Mm. Did you see I this know. coming at all? Do you know what? I'll be totally honest. I thought, no, they're not going to go there. They're not going to go there until he had that um, lunch with Tara and she told me and he was like, thank you so much for telling me. I thought, well, no, because of the building across the street from Jill's and all that. But obviously later the on, the motorcycle, we, we they kept seeing me yeah. leave. And... I was like, no, they're not going to go there. There were two there, different thought, stalkers, basically, that you yeah, thought were the same way, person. But still, I was like, no, and then when they did it, I was like, no, they went there. Wow. So, yeah, so we have Doug McFarland. Doug is there to avenge his sister's death. He wants to kill Victor DeMorta. Is we, it Doug or David? Was it Doug or David? I thought it was. Oh, Doug, no, you're Doug's right. It guy, is David. Yeah. Damn it. Doug's I wrote Doug because of the other guy. Sorry. <laughs> it is David. David McFarland. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so David's there. He's going to try to avenge Cass's death because. Cass was the only one that stuck by him when he came out of the closet. His family disowned him, his football team and his friends at school. Mm. They all stopped talking to him. He moved to Manhattan and, you know, Cass was just, Cass was the nice one of the elements basically. Yeah. And, you know, she was just, she was, she was good. She was a good apple, but you know, Victor killed her. And Mm. after Cass died, 
David started figuring out everything. He, you know, he did his research. He figured out that Sharon and Belinda were both killed on Valentine's Day too. He realized that Neil Avnet, Lynn Vanetti, and Nate Levin were all the same person, which is an anagram of Valentine. And I went, what? Oh shit. And then I realized, oh shit, she's pregnant with her stalker's baby. Yeah. I know. I was like, oh my God, she is pregnant. He doesn't even know. That's the thing. He Mm. has no idea. Um, oh, I wonder if that would have made a difference. I wonder if it would have made a difference. Uh, I, I, part of me was kind of hoping that she she would ha- she would tell have time to tell them. Yeah, but in the same breath, it's very cliche, I suppose. But yeah, I wonder whether it would have stopped him or changed his mind. Maybe I don't know. It's really I don't know. But mm. in the cabin, Nate is standing there with a confused Jill who is just now figuring it out. And I have a quote. He says, I'm not Nate. He said his voice, <laughs> dead voice, <laughs> he said his voice, dead, belying the horrible smile. There is no Nate. Nate Levin is an anagram. You stupid, <laughs> evil bitch. My name is Victor DeMorta. Slowly, he raised the box again and held it out for her in front of her. Happy Valentine's Day. I actually uh, put that in my notes as well. And I put, this is so pantomime villain. I'm living for it. (laughs) (laughs) You evil, stupid bitch. I'm like, damn. (laughs) Obviously about the swearing, but it's very, yeah, it's very, um, very 90s TV movie. uh, (laughs) That dialogue. (laughs) So at that point, she's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then there's suddenly this big crash outside. Outside, like something slams against mm. the door and they're like, what? And it turns, turns his head. So since she like, I don't know, what does she do? She like kick him in the groin. Yeah. She kicks him right in the balls. Yeah. She kicks him in the nuts <laughs> and um, he goes down and she's like, I need to get to the the gun that's on the other side of my purse on the other side of the room. Mm. She carried, she got uh, Tara's gun. She took it with her Yeah, and she's been practicing shooting it the whole time she was there. And um, she got good. Actually, she was actually a natural it seems. Mm. Um, so she's going for it, but he's in the way. And so she has to get, you know, he ends up hitting her in the face, breaking her jaw. And she's like, oh, and she runs out the back door and, you know, she's running, you know. And meanwhile, David's outside. He ran into the door. I guess he was trying to get in, but somehow knocked himself out. <laughs> I don't Do you know. What? I had to read that bit back. So I was like, what? What's happened to David? <laughs> he comes to I'm like, what did he what did he do? Like, how hard did he? <laughs> OK, did he do use his head as a battering ram? Like, what's wrong with him? So then he's running um, after them and they're of course ahead of him and, and they make it all the way to, she's trying to run towards the party, but then he, you know, of course, uh, Victor catches up to her and tackles her and whatnot and picks her up and um, takes her to the dock and then like punches her in the gut. And I'm like, Oh, there goes that baby. And um, I'm like, that's done. (laughs) No need to bring that up now. And she's down on the ground. She's almost falling off the dock. And he's like, all right, here we go. We're going to, I'm going to drown your ass in the lake, which would have made sense mm. for the element part. Um, yeah. And she's like, ah, oh, she's, she's not ready to die. She's thinking clearly. She's like, no, not today. This is not going to happen. And mm. she's ready to get up and do something about it. But then all of a sudden, boom, his brains are all over her face. Yeah. His head has been blown off because David's behind them with his Beretta and has shot him in the head. And then Victor's body falls on top of her and they both go down into the icy cold water. And David's like, yeah, I'm done. He's like, no, wait, there's a woman in there. (laughs) He totally doesn't give a shit about Jill. It turns out he does not care. He just wants to kill Victor. And then finally he's like, wait, I could save her life. (laughs) 
<laughs> so then he runs after her and he reaches down. And the first thing he grabs is a handful of Victor's brains. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, squishy brains. They even say like squishy. No. I'm like, oh, gross. So, but he gra- ends up grabbing her hair and pulls her out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, of course, the police show up shortly after. Like, that was really quick for these police to show up. Considering was, that actually. gunshot just let out. But <laughs> so the aftermath is six months later. Jill has been staying in the camp ever since recovering. She's mm-hmm. avoiding the press and dealing with her trauma. She plans to sell her apartment and move into a new place to start over again. Um, Jill's posted David's bail. I wrote David here. What the hell? Um <laughs> He posted David's bail for everything, considering he saved her life, of course. They have yeah. no doubt that he'll get off because it was self-defense. You know, Victor was a freaking serial killer. Mm. And, you know, but he's okay with serving some time anyway, considering he did it to avenge his sister, his only ally, and the nicest one of the elements. Yeah. The book ends with David giving Jill swimming lessons as she's no longer afraid of the water. Because that was the main reason why she was the mm. element of water, because she didn't swim, which I thought mm. was weird. <laughs> the end. The end. So, uh, for yeah. those listeners that only saw the movie, and let's face it, most of them probably only saw the movie. Mm-hmm. Who from the movie would be who from the book? Like, okay, so how about we just go with Jill? I would say obviously Jill and Kate. Yeah, they're Jill the final and Kate, girl. They're the main one. Yeah. It's got to be them. I mean, the difference is, I, you know, I think that Jill's got a lot more depth to her than Kate. I mean, I found Kate as a final girl quite boring. I usually like Marley Shelton, but in Valentine, I really didn't take to Kate at all. Writing is everything. It is, absolutely. I mean, it's just, I, I think in that, that whole movie, other than the supporting characters, the main characters just really aren't present, which is probably why they tried to make Marley Shelton look like say Michelle Gather on the poster, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, okay. um, I agree with that. So I'm thinking that Sharon would be Paige because she's the bitchiest. I put for Sharon a mix between Paige and Dorothy because Dorothy was quite bitchy in the film, and she was rich. Yeah, yeah, I'm I rich, can see that too. Obviously, on the flip side of it, it you know, it, that's quite deep rooted why she is that way. But yeah, Paige probably would be Sharon because she was the leader of the, of the girls in the um, in the film. Mm-hmm. And Belinda would totally be Lily because she's a follower. Yeah, she's the flighty one. The you know, and she's the one that follows the lead girl. Mm. Now, Cass, mm. I put that that would be Dorothy. But kind of a mix of Dorothy and Shelley, but I would say because Dorothy was sympathetic in that, you know, she had like a sad history behind her and everything. And you kind of mm. felt bad for her in a way, even though you didn't at the same time. But, you know, there was a reason. So Cass, mm. you kind of have, a, oh, you know, she had a reason to be the way she yeah. was, that kind of thing. And I kind of put that, you know, Jill's friend Tara would be Shelley, even though Shelley doesn't get, mm. I mean, Tara doesn't get killed at all, but. Yeah, I mean, Tara, I suppose you could, again, maybe a version of Paige in a way, um, or maybe even Lily, because she was like, Tara was the cop comedic relief in, in the book. Like, she, you know, she was, she went against the stereotype of what you expected her to be. She was this actress on a, a daytime soap, which she absolutely hated, and she just took the mick out of herself for it all the time. Yeah. She was on this awful daytime soap, so she didn't take herself too seriously, but even though she knew she was, a, you know, this good-looking girl. <laughs> 
Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, totally. And of course, Barney Fleck is Detective Vaughn, even the the, yeah. the authority figure, you know, is mm-hmm. trying to help. Nate, aka Victor, is Adam. Yeah, yeah of course, totally. aka Jeremy, uh, the mysterious <laughs> boyfriend that turns out to be the bad guy. And I said that um, Doug, because we see Doug Barron a lot in this, mm, so okay, I thought yeah. that he would be more Jason Marquette Campbell mix, which is the red herring. Yeah. You know, just the red hair. So. Oh, it's got to be him because they made a point to say that, you know, whoever is watching her is smoking Marlboros and so did Doug. And mm. you know, I'm like, but that's a popular cigarette. So <laughs> it doesn't really go anywhere with that, but it just, you know, it kind of seems suspicious, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously for me, the book is better because like I said, the movie feels like I still know what you did last summer, which isn't saying yeah. much, but Especially since Urban Legend was, you know, the director's previous, you know, slash, yeah. which was great. I loved Urban Legend. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what would you say? I mean, obviously, you, do you think the book was better as well? I, I think the book is definitely a, a better story. Um, I enjoyed the book. Um, it's, oh, the book's not perfect either. I've, I've got my own things with the book. But in the, the film, again, I... <laughs> It's not the best slasher film I've seen. Um, it is pretty dumb in some places. I'll just be dead blunt about that. But I enjoyed watching it. I mean, I've I've watched it quite a few times. It's got some pretty cool death scenes. Well, two. And it's campy as hell. <laughs> it's campy, exactly. Denise Richards, of course. I mean, come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the film's good in that you know, in in that way, but yeah, the book's definitely better. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so I am glad that I have finally read the book because yeah, it's, it was a really good story and it, you know, it did have, a I really was really surprised by, it, by how much I liked it. I was like, Oh, this is going to yeah. be, at first I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't, but somebody, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. I might as well try mm. it. And I was like, Oh, this is good. I really like this book. I was really surprised, and it's it's a you know, it's a little far away from my YA. Stuff. I mean, it starts off with the college stuff, so it kind of mixes yeah. in with the young adult, new adult stuff. But yeah, I really liked it a lot better. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I like what, going back to if, if this was going to be a, a movie of Valentine, and I could I could totally see it being like a nineties, maybe not Lifetime, but like a bit of a hammy sort of TV movie with a little bit of corny dialogue. But it's just got this amazing well thought out plot i could totally see that as a film they could technically do it now it's been 21 years since the first valentine movie so they could do it now and people wouldn't it wouldn't mix in with people you know too recent you know what i'm saying Mm. they could redo it and use the same title they could if they wanted to Mm. just saying hollywood try it it might be you know might be worth it i wonder how much tom savage got paid i don't know (laughs) and how much you know he kicks himself for what happened but Something we may never know. Very true. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you again, Leroy, for joining me and reading and watching Journey. You know, um, <laughs> I hope you had no fun. I have. I've had so much fun. Thank you for having me on. I've really enjoyed talking about the book and the film of Valentine. Well, thank you. I, <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Um, it, you know, and I love listening to your show and I, I can't wait to hear more of it, especially the throwbacks to older stuff that I used to watch, you know, um, I, that'll be really fun to listen to. But 
So yeah, if you want to, you can find Slashic Horror wherever, pretty much wherever podcasts are played. You have it on Apple, Spotify, and I know it's on Good Pods, and it's probably in other places as well. And again, he is at Slashic Horror on Twitter and Instagram, but all that will be in the show notes. So you can go there, check it out, click on it, you know, copy, paste, whatever, find him there. And again, I want to thank one of my listeners, Derek, for this episode suggestion. If you have any book or you know, book to movie or TV show adaptation suggestions for me to go through and analyze on the show or just pick apart and laugh at, please reach out to me on Twitter at Dustin underscore Holden or on Instagram at Dustin can read. Or you can find me on Facebook under Dustin can read. I'm there. Or um, email me at Dustin can at gmail.com. Also, if um, you know, just let me know how I'm doing by leaving a review on Apple podcasts or Podchaser or good pods or wherever you listen to the show. And, you know, if you're feeling extra generous, you can also, you know, leave me a little tip on uh, buymeacoffee.com slash Dustin can read, which will serve to help me get some books and produce the show. And I would be very grateful for it. Thank you again for listening. And from me and Leroy, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know I shouldn't really be drinking Dr. Pepper, but still. It's okay. <sighs> it is what the okay. doctor ordered, I guess. Absolutely. That's the worst that can happen. <laughs> <laughs>